Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Good morning, everybody. It's so good to see you guys. And I just want to say, I really, really hope that every single one of you women is going to join us for that, for our She Collective Night that is coming up in January. I cannot wait. And I did this last week. I'm going to do it again. So I just want you to, if you are a woman in the room, raise your hand. Okay? You know who you are. Awesome. Now, if you know a woman, raise your hand. This should be all of us. All right. So here's what I'm asking. If you are a woman who is here, I am asking you to put this on your calendar. Listen, so many times people do not buy a ticket until like the day of. And I think that's our way of going, I'm just going to see if something better comes up. So do not do that. This is the best thing that you could possibly experience on Saturday night, January 26th. So make sure that you go ahead and get your tickets to come and hang out with us. Get one for a friend and bring somebody with you. And all the men in the room, listen. Make it happen for every woman you know to get here on that Saturday night because we're going to have a great time. And somebody asked me, what is She Collective? And, and it's an opportunity for us to gather all of the girls because we like to get together and have fun. And so there's going to be a lot of fun. There's a pre-party that is happening with a photo booth and we're selling some merch this year and we'll have all sorts of goodies for you to snack on. And, and then we're going to come in and have some fun and random nonsense. But then there'll be a service. We're going to have worship and Pastor Carrie is going to be speaking at this She Collective and he's talking about five things he wants every woman to know. And I don't know about you, but I want to know. So I'm just telling you, you're going to want to bring all of your girlfriends and get them here in this room for that night. We're going to have an awesome after party as well, just to have some fun together, but really expecting God's going to do something awesome. So do me a favor, grab some invitations today. These have the correct date on them, everybody. (laughs) So grab some invitations, take them to your friends, post it on social media and come and join us for this night because it's going to be awesome. And Pastor Kerry told me that I had to get up here today and tell you where he is. So he was quite devastated about the Cowboys loss yesterday. So he just couldn't bear to face you. <laughs> I'm teasing. He, he actually stayed home today with my daughter, Avery, whose tonsils are like as big as rocks. And I was scheduled to preach today. And so to put this mama's heart at rest, he stayed home to make sure that she was taken care of. He hates not being here and misses you, but he will be right back here preaching next Sunday. And I uh, can't wait to see you guys. So I promised him I would tell you. He said, promise you will tell both services. So I did my job. I've told both services. Everyone is in the know. You can all text him or tell him you miss him, however you want to do that. But he wishes he was here. But I get to pick up where he left off last week. And this this month of January, we're in a series that's called First and Most. First and Most. And, And so I'm excited to pick up where he left off. You know, this year, not quite yet, but this year is the year that I turn 40. Yeah! Okay, I'm so excited about it. And I know for some of you that are in the room, you're like, oh, you're just a baby. And I know, I know. And some of you are like, she is ancient. 
I know. <laughs> when we first started the church, uh, uh, just uh, probably about seven years ago, we were at a, a launch party, kind of hanging out with our team. And um, one of our team members who moved out here to help us start the church, her name is Shana. She was up here leading worship this morning, and she runs our media team. And, and she looked at me, and we were standing in someone's backyard, and she looked at me and she said, Pastor Megan, what is the one thing that you would tell your 20-something-year-old self? And I was like, Shana, that was like two years ago for me. <laughs> I'm not a dinosaur. But I, I really paused to think about it, and it kind of was a great question. It stuck with me. And, and I really stopped to reflect, and I thought, you know, if I could tell my 20-year-old self something, I think I would say, relax. <laughs> like, just breathe a little bit. You don't have to figure everything out today, and it's not all on you anyway. Uh, God's timing is really great. It's perfect, and, and I wish that I could have told myself that instead of trying to hustle so much. You know, I, I've realized I'm the kind of person that hustles. I, I'm gonna hustle to get something done and to accomplish a dream, and I'm passionate about anything that I do, but I've had to learn that I can't hustle for my worthiness. I can't hustle for my acceptance. And this whole series, first and most, is all about the fact that you and I were created to live from a place of fullness, not for fullness. We were created to live from a place of approval, not for approval. From a place of love and not for love. And first and most, that has to come from Jesus. And so the question that we've posed to you, and I would encourage you to write this down. If you're taking notes, you can text the word notes to the number. They'll pop up there on the screen and, and follow along with us. But I would encourage you to write this down and ask these questions of yourself. Can you live the life that you're living right now for decades? Can you live the life you're living right now for decades? And here's the second question. Am I living the kind of life I'd want to give away to someone else? Am I living the kind of life I'd want to give away to someone else? Because here's what I know. You teach what you know, but you reproduce what you are. You teach what you know, but you reproduce what you are. And last week, Pastor Kerry presented an awesome message, and it's really foundational for this series, so I want to recap it a tiny bit. And if you missed it, go and listen to it. This is foundational for your walk with Jesus. But he preached out of the scripture found in Romans chapter 5, verse 11, 1 through 11, and it says this, Therefore... Since we have been justified by faith, that word justified, it means to be made right, or it means just as if I've never sinned. So I have been made right with God by faith, a choice to believe. And because of that, I have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And through him, we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So listen, we, as Christ followers, by faith in Jesus, have received access into this position of grace. And grace is really unmerited favor. There is nothing you can do to earn it. So if you've begun a relationship with Jesus, you don't have to strive or work for it. We've obtained access to this place of grace. And in this place, we actually have the ability to experience peace that passes all understanding, joy that is found in the Lord, hope in the fact that He has good plans for us. 
And when we recognize this, we actually begin to live our life from a place of fullness and not for fullness. We live our life from a place of being fully approved by God, not needing the approval of man. And we live our life from a place of full and unconditional love, not searching for love. And I think this place of confident, assured, grace-filled identity has got to be found first and most in Jesus. And I just want to challenge us in how to do that today. So can I pray for us? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord Jesus, thank you for every person who showed up this morning. God, you know their story. God, you know exactly what they're walking through. God, you know those that are here who've just begun this faith journey and those who have been walking with you for quite a long time. And God, I just pray that today that you would speak to each and every one of us. God, that there would be something that as we open our hearts to receive what you have to say, God, that you would challenge us and encourage us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, at the Movement Church, we say all the time, if you're here and, and you're really wrestling through faith, maybe you're here and you're just kind of searching, permission to belong at the Movement Church before you believe. So you need to know that. Like, if you're here and you're just wrestling with your faith, you go ahead and have permission to sit back today and just listen. But I want to challenge you to open your heart and say, God, what do you want to say to me? But if you're here today and, and you call yourself a Christ follower and you've begun a relationship with Jesus, we've established the fact that because of that faith, we have obtained access into this place of grace where our identity has been found in who Jesus is. And so the challenge for us, I believe, as Christ followers is how do we continue to stay in this space of grace? This, how do we stay in this position? Because there's nothing that we did to earn this. There's nothing that we could do to earn the grace that's been given to us by God. But so many of us wander off path and find ourselves striving again and again, thinking that we have to earn our way back into this place. So my challenge for us today is how do we learn how to stay in a place of grace where we operate from this position of fullness, not for fullness, from approval, not for approval, from love, not for love. How do we do this? And as I was thinking about this, I was actually thinking about my dog, Lucy. Does anybody have a dog? couple of you I do. Okay, so I have a black Labrador retriever, and she thinks she's a human, and she's like 85 pounds and wants to sit on our lap all the time. Um, she's a really sweet dog, and when we first got her as a puppy, we decided we were going to train her, and uh, we wanted to teach her all the basic commands, right? Like sit and stay and roll over. She never got roll over, but that's all right, and, and so we were working on all the basic commands with her, but what was so funny to me is that when we were teaching Lucy these tricks, we would, we would get a treat because she, she wanted the treat, right? And we would get her and we would get her to sit down. And the hardest command for her was the command of stay, right? Because what would happen when we would tell her to stay and we were holding on to a treat that she wanted and we're backing away from her, she's like, 
wiggling uncontrollably in the position that she's in. And not only does she want the treat that is in our hands, but there's other things that are distracting her as well. Her ball is over on the floor that she wants to play with, and Avery was little at that point, and she was rolling around on the floor, and Lucy wanted to cuddle with her, and, and there was people walking by outside, and she could hear them. And so it was the funniest thing to watch my dog try to stay because it was like her, her hips were going this direction, and her head was going this direction, and her whole body was moving like this because there were so many distractions. There were so many things that she wanted to do in that moment. And so it was really difficult for her to stay. And I know that this may seem like a terrible example because I'm comparing us to a dog, but (laughs) don't take it personal. What I think is challenging for us as Christ followers is to stay in this place of grace where we're operating from this position of grace, that it's nothing that we can do, but we can just stay here and rest in it and find peace here and joy here and strength here and hope here. It's really challenging for us as humans to stay because there's so many things that are vying for our attention, right? There's so many distractions, so many pressures, so many things that are trying to get our attention. And so what we've got to learn how to do is how to set our course so we can operate from this place of grace. You know, last week, Pastor Kerry talked about our pilot friend. His name is Hans, and, and he flies for Delta. And, and he shared with you that every time Hans gets into a plane to fly from John Wayne to Atlanta, before he pulls back onto the runway, he plots his course, right? He plugs everything into the computer. And it's not the course that he decides is best for that day. Delta has already decided the best route for him to fly and has given him the plans. And all he has to do is plug it into the computer in order to get from the location he's at to the location he's going. And so I just think that as Christ followers, we've got to learn how to plot our course and stay the course so we can operate from this position of grace. You know, something I think you should know about me is um, I, I'm easily entertained, <laughs> and uh, I can make a game out of anything, and I'm a little competitive, just a little bit, and uh, I'm competitive with myself as well, and, and so sometimes just to entertain myself if I'm driving by myself or if I'm taking my kids maybe to a friend's house that they've been to once or twice before, I'll play this game. And the game for me is, can I remember how to get there without looking at directions? Do I have any friends? A couple people in the room. And so I'm like, I'm determined that if I'm going to take my kids to a friend's house and we've been there once before, I'm going to try to remember how to get there again. It's like a competition that I have with myself. And I know that might sound silly to you, but it's something that I do all the time. Now, I never do this when I'm going someplace new. If I'm going someplace I've never been before, I'm going to plug the directions into my Apple Maps and it's going to pull up a route. But you know what I do sometimes? Maybe you're guilty. Sometimes when I plug the directions into my map and I see where I'm going, I'm like, eh, I think I know a better way to get there. Anybody else? Anybody? And sometimes I'm like, I, you know, I kind of have this figured out. And even though this says this, I know that there's a couple shortcuts and I'm going to try that way. And without fail, every single time I do that, there's some kind of major traffic pile up or an accident or a road closure or something terrible. And I can't get where I'm going on time. And so I've learned that I actually need to use the, the map that's in my hands. But as Christians, we've been given a roadmap completely full of directions for every aspect of our life, 
for every problem we're going to face, for every decision that we have to make. We've been given a roadmap. And some of you know where I'm going with this. It's called the Bible. It's this manual for living. But I think, unfortunately, some of us fail to consult the Bible for the directions. We're like, oh, I think I know where I'm going. I've got this figured out. You know, some of us were like, well, I'll, I'll maybe check in on it once a week and I'll let somebody else give me the directions. I sure hope the pastor has something good to say. Something that is a little bit funny, a little bit hopeful, a tiny bit challenging, but not too much because if it's too challenging, I'll just do what I'm going to do anyway. Right? Or maybe you're here and, and you read the Bible occasionally. Like, you kind of know what it has to say. You're a little bit familiar with it. But maybe you're like me with directions. You're like, I'm kind of familiar with it. I kind of know what it says. But then you don't consistently plot your course. And so the problem with that is that one turn in the wrong direction will drift you completely in the opposite direction. So my question for us as a church is, what if, what if we daily consulted this manual for living? Now, if you've been to church for any amount of time, I imagine that you've probably heard a message like this before. And I'm just going to challenge you, don't shut your ears off to what I'm saying, because I think this is something every one of us can apply, whether we've been walking with Jesus for a day or for a hundred. I think that every one of us can apply this. So what if the first thing that we did every single morning was to give God permission to take us where he wanted to take us? What if that was the first thing that we did every day to where we made ourselves familiar with the directions so that we could set our course, so that we could operate from this place of grace? What if it was the first thing that we did every day? Joshua 1.8 says this, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe and do according to all that is written in it. For then, listen to this part, you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall deal wisely and have good success. Now, I don't know about you, but I want my life to be prosperous and full of success. I don't know if that's you or not, but that is, I want that for my life. I want to keep running this race that I'm on with endurance, with peace and joy for decades. I don't want to just survive and barely make it to tomorrow. I want my life to be prosperous and successful. And we've been given this manual for living, this direction for doing just that. So can I ask us something? Why wouldn't we familiarize ourselves with the instructions? Why wouldn't we use those instructions to set our course just like Han sets his course when he gets into a plane to fly from John Wayne to Atlanta? Why wouldn't we? Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God actually illuminates the path that we're on and shows us which direction to go. So I want to challenge us as a church today, and my greatest hope is that every single person in this room would be willing to take this challenge, to just take a couple steps to say, I'm going to do everything I can to set my course in the direction that God's called me. So if you're taking notes, make sure you write this down or follow along in version. Number one is this. I want to challenge every person in this room. Number one is to prioritize firsts prioritize firsts. Listen, 
set a calendar appointment with Jesus. Now that might sound cheesy to you, but I'm going to challenge you to set a calendar appointment with Jesus. We calendar what is important to us. If you have a job and you go to work, you show up to work on time because you don't want to lose that job. And if you have a meeting, an important meeting at work, where do you write that information down? In your calendar. How many of you use a calendar on your cell phone? Anybody? How many of you are old school and you still like to write it down in a day planner? All right, awesome. You just keep doing that. (laughs) I use my calendar for everything. I use it for everything. I have to. If I don't put it in my calendar, it's not happening. I use it for everything. And all of you who are in this room and you have children, guess what? You know what time your kids start school. And you get them there on time, or at least you try to most of the time. (laughs) And if you're paying for them to be in an after-school sport, soccer or basketball or whatever it might be, man, you know when their practices are. It's in your calendar. You've scheduled it. And you show up on time and you show up to the games. We calendar what is important to us. And I want to challenge you to set a calendar appointment daily with Jesus and plan your day around it. A friend said yesterday to me, people calendar what's important to them. They don't calendar what they want to avoid. And I thought that's really true. We avoid calendaring what we want to avoid. Listen, somebody wise once said, if you don't plan it, don't plan on it. If you don't plan it, don't plan on it. So I want to challenge you. Do you think you could do this? Could we set a calendar appointment with Jesus? Just go into our calendar today when we get home from church. Find a time and say, you know what? That's going to be my moment. And plug in that calendar and treat it like it's the most important date that you ever went on. What if we did that? And listen, here's the thing. I want to encourage you. I know that stuff happens. All of my moms with brand new infants, there are the nights when the baby will not sleep and then you sleep through your alarm and you might miss an appointment and I get it, things happen. But what if as a church, we could make this appointment with Jesus a priority? And what if we could just win the week? There's seven days in a week. What if we could at least just get four days out of the seven days? We'd win the week. What if we could do that? So I wanna challenge you to decide Where is the best time for this? Where where can you plug this into your calendar? For me, I think that firsts, first determine what we value. And if you really want to operate in the fullness of the life that God's given you, the best thing you can possibly do is start your day with this because it determines the direction of your day. And for me at my house, we preset our coffee because the first thing I do in the morning is I go to the bathroom, I brush my teeth, and I go and I get my coffee. And then I sit down in my living room. And for me, I like to spend time with Jesus by putting worship music on in the room. Maybe you like things silent and that's okay. But for me, I like to put on worship music to set an atmosphere, right? Some of you are single and you're dating and ready to mingle and and you're thinking about atmosphere. (laughs) You are. I know you are. You're thinking about the right place that you're going to take that person that's going to create an atmosphere where they're going to actually go, you're amazing, right? (laughs) You know you are. Listen, think about it. Plan it in advance. Set the atmosphere. Create the place and remove distractions. When I go on a date with my husband, do you know the one thing that drives him crazy? (laughs) If we are in a conversation and I pick up my cell phone, it drives him nuts. 
even if we're not on a date and we're having a conversation and I pick up my cell phone or I get that little ding on my watch and I look down to see who's texting me, it drives him crazy. Why? Because it's a distraction. And how easily are we distracted? So for me, I've had to learn. I've got to be careful with my cell phone and my Bible app in the morning because all those little red numbers by my email are tempting to want to click when I'm spending time with Jesus or, or sometimes accidentally I'll click on Instagram and it's like, why did I even do that? I don't know. But I just want to challenge you. We've got to remove distractions and set an atmosphere and prioritize this appointment and then show up. Don't stand him up. Don't, don't be the kind of person that stands him up. Prioritize this appointment. And then when you get to that place, if you don't know what to do, here's a good idea. Pray a prayer of surrender. Just go, Jesus, I give you today. You don't have to worry about tomorrow or next week. Just God today. I give you today. Would you take me in the direction that you have for me? And then you begin to read the word because the word is powerful. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And if you don't know how to read the Bible, we can help you. In fact, we've got a reading plan on our website that you can follow along with. We call it Step Reading. You can text READ to the number they'll put on the screen and we'll send you everything you need. Or maybe, listen, every, every person in America that has a cell phone has access to a Bible now. It's called a version. It's an app you can put on your phone, and there's a million different plans. And if you don't know what to read, you can pick any of them to read about any topic you want to read about, but we've got to learn how to get to know God's Word. You see, I've been married to Carrie for 18 years, but the more that I actually spend time sitting and listening to him and talking with him and spending time with him, the more I find out about him. And the same thing happens with Jesus. We get to know him through his Word but it requires me setting aside my own agenda. So I wanna challenge you, Pastor Gurley shared with us about the 21 day challenge. What if as a church, we all did this? What if for 21 days, we could start our day every single day by plotting our course and praying a prayer of surrender, reading the word, learning who God is and what it says and applying it to our life? What if we could do four weeks of worship where we don't miss a Sunday, but we show up and we gather because this is like a pep rally for our entire week to get us all on track and on course for what God's doing? What if we could do that? Be here, but don't just show up. Don't just, don't just walk in the door like it's some card that you check a box, well, did that. No, engage. If you were sitting to have a conversation with someone and you just sat there staring at them, that would just be awkward. Like, don't just show up. Engage. The words for the songs that we sing, they're on the screen so that you, kn you know them. And the music's loud so nobody can hear you singing. Engage. <laughs> listen to the word and, and apply it. Hey, listen. Go to the next steps course. Start to figure out what God's plan is for your life, what the next step is. Join a connect group. Get connected to some people around you. Engage. Don't just show up. Be a part of the dream team and put your life into doing something that matters. I'm just saying, what if, what if we didn't just check the box on our relationship with Jesus, but we, we began to let it define our life? Hebrews 10, says, so let's do it. Full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. That's that space of grace. Let's keep a firm grip on the promise that keeps us going. God always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and in helping out. Not avoiding worshiping together, as some do, but spurring each other on. That's what church is about. Spurring each other on as we see eternity approaching. 
There will be a day where we all, we all encounter eternity and it matters. This is how we set ourselves up to live a life worth living for decades. This is how we set ourselves up to live a life that we would be willing to give away. So I want to challenge you, number one, prioritize firsts. Set a calendar appointment with Jesus. Would you try this with me for the next 21 days? I mean, you can do this. I believe in you. So let's do this together as a church. And number two, apply the word, all of it. Apply the word, all of it. I say it that way because, listen, it's one thing for me to have Apple Maps or Waze on my phone, but it's another thing to use it, okay? My husband will say to me all the time when I'm playing the game with directions, like trying to figure out where to go, I think we turn right here. He's like, could you please use the very expensive computer that is in your hand? Why? Because I have maps on my phone. All I have to do is plug in where I want to go, and it will give me directions, So we've got to apply the word, all of it. Hebrews 4.12 says this, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Listen, there is power in the word of God. It's transformational. And here's the thing about it, it's living. The word of God has the power to pick addicts up out of a gutter of shame. It has the power to turn the timid into the courageous. It has the power to mend and restore broken relationships. It has the power to give hope to the lost. It has the power to help you get your life back on track. Hey, it has the power to heal your heart. It's living. It's living. The word of God. And if we have access to something that is this good, If we have access to something that is this powerful, we need to use it. We need to use it. Why would we try to do it on our own? I think that's just about as foolish as trying to put together a piece of Ikea furniture without the directions. Can I get a witness? (laughs) You know, there's a scripture in the Bible and it's Jesus talking. It's found in Matthew chapter seven. and, And it says this, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And if you grew up in church at all, especially in the 80s, I did. If you grew up in church at all, you probably sung a song. And if you've been at the movement church any amount of time, you've heard me sing it. But I'm going to do it again. And it goes like this. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. You can sing along. The wise man built his house upon the rock and the rains came tumbling down. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. And the house on the rock stood firm. Anybody? Come on, I just sang a song. (laughs) Maybe not beautifully, but the other part of it is the foolish man who built his house upon the sand and the rains came and the floods came and the house went splat, right? But I love the paraphrase of this in the message version. And it says this, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. They are not homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words that you should build a life on. And if you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on a solid rock and the rain poured down and the river flooded and a tornado hit, but nothing moved the house because it was fixed to the rock. 
But if you just use my words in Bible studies or coming to church and you don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter. I didn't say it, the Bible did. Who built his house on the sandy beach. And when the storm rolled in, because the storms will come, and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. See, Jesus is saying here, let my manual for living be your foundation. Let it be your foundation. We need to develop a discipline of centering our choices, our plans, and our feelings on the Word of God. This is how we grow in spiritual maturity. Second Timothy says this, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. See, church, we must personally respond to the word of God. The word applies to us. The word teaches us how to handle life situations. And there's verses on parenting and friendship and marriage and every practical thing in our life. You know, I read through the book of Proverbs often. There is 31 Proverbs and 31 days in most months. So you can read a Proverbs for every day. And I was reading through the book of Proverbs, chapter 18, verse 13 recently in the message version, and it said this, answering before listening is both stupid and rude. (laughs) Now, I can read this and just quickly move on to the next verse, which I want to do. Or I can ask myself, have I done this? And because I don't want to be known as stupid or rude, I can ask the Holy Spirit to help me become a better listener. And then the next time a situation comes where I want to get defensive, I'll remember the directions. Can you see that the Word of God is more than just information? It's more than just good stories. If we are looking at the word of God like it's just information, we are missing the point. See, the word of God shapes us to fulfill our mission here on earth. It shapes us to live a life worth living. It prepares us for the storms because they will come. They will come. And it helps us know what to do. It reminds us of purpose and it it teaches us how to live. It equips us for living from this space of grace and not a position of striving. So I want to challenge you to read the word, but but also not just read the word, find some scriptures that apply to you and begin to personalize it, memorize it, apply it to your life. Listen, if you're facing illness, I prayed this verse over my daughter this morning, Psalm 41.3, the Lord sustains him on his sickbed and in his illness, you restore him to full health. I prayed God restore her to full health. If you're afraid, the Bible tells us in Psalm 56.3, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, I will trust in you and I will not be afraid. Listen, when I'm anxious, I found myself here yesterday. I remember the verse in Philippians that says, be anxious about, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God 
which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You got to begin to personalize the word, to know what it says and to apply it to your life, to recognize that the scripture is God breathed and it's a promise for you and me. And when we begin to believe it, we begin to increase our faith. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we've got to apply the word of God to our life and listen to me, church, all of it. We don't get to rip out the pages we don't like. That's hard. Psalm 119 says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I've stored up my word, your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Listen, that's what the scripture tells us is I, I can determine my course and my path by fixing my path on the word of God, all of it. And there may be parts that are frustrating to you that you don't fully understand, but the word of God has a purpose. You know, many roads and highways have guardrails. You know what I'm talking about? And oftentimes highways that are up that have a huge drop-off, they have guardrails. And, and we appreciate those guardrails, don't we? Because they keep us from dropping to our death. So we're not usually frustrated at the guardrails. We're not usually sitting there going, gosh, these roads are so boring. <laughs> if I could just drive past the guardrails, that would be fun. We're not thinking like that. We appreciate the guardrails. They keep us on the road. They keep us on the path. They make it clear. And ignoring them could be dangerous. Can we show that picture? They missed the guardrails. I hope they're safe. Found that picture online. It's not a personal experience. But listen, we don't question the guardrails. And in the same way, God's word keeps us on the path. The Bible's our guardrail. And we don't have to understand it all. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, lean on, trust in, and rely. Be confident in the Lord with all your heart and your mind. Do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know, recognize, and acknowledge him, and he will direct and make straight and plain your paths. There's something about trusting in God's word. You don't have to understand it all the time. You don't even have to agree with it all the time. But the word of God, we're supposed to apply it, all of it. And I think sometimes we find ourselves in this position of the unknown and uncertainty. And I would imagine that there's some people that are in the room today, and maybe, maybe you've been walking in a relationship with God for some time. Maybe you, you are a person who understands this prioritizing and making an appointment with Jesus. Maybe you read the Bible and, and you clearly are trying to set your course but you've come into a moment or a season of the unknown and, and you're not where you used to be, but you're not where you want to be either. And you find yourself kind of stuck in the middle. And in the unknown, there's oftentimes that fear tries to set in. Doubt tries to set in. You know, one night I was driving home from LA and it was kind of late and I needed to get home. And you just never know when there's gonna be traffic in LA. And so I plugged in my address to Waze. Waze works really well out there. And I began to listen to the voice coach me on where to go. And, and I'm following the directions. And, and I'm driving, and it's dark, and it's late, and I'm listening to what it's telling me to do. And it has me exit the highway, and I take several turns. I think I exited Rosecrans. And I was like, I don't know, but I think this is a bad idea. And I found myself in this moment. I was like, 
I think I am in a really bad place. Like, I, I think that this is probably not the safest place for me to be. And honestly, I was sitting by myself at a red light and it was dark and there was nobody around. And I was thinking, what, what is about to happen to me? <laughs> just at this moment. But I just had to make a decision right then not to shut off my maps and try to figure it out on my own. I had to make a decision. No, I'm going to see this through. I'm going to keep listening to the voice. And the voice continued to tell me, turn left, turn right. Took me all over the place in the middle of downtown LA in the middle of the night. But it got me right back onto the highway and I made it home so quickly. And if I tried to do it on my own, it's very possible I would have run into some major traffic. But because I was willing to listen to the voice, it got me where I was needing to go. And I just want to challenge some of you. Maybe you've been reading and trying to apply the word, but you find yourself in a moment of the unknown. You don't know what tomorrow looks like and you find fear starting to creep in and doubt starting to creep in. Can I just challenge you to stay the course? Just stay the course. God's word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. It will get you where you need to go. And God's plans are better than your plans, I promise you. I promise you. So could you trust him? You know, I'm gonna wrap up here and kind of go off my notes, but I just wonder what would happen if every single one of us in this room right now decided to personalize this message? What would happen if every single one of us left this room today not just checking off the box of having been at church, not of just having a feel-good moment, but actually we go and we set that appointment with Jesus? What if we decided to try it for the next 21 days? Set a time where you're going to actually read the Word, and pray a prayer of surrender and allow God to speak to you, prioritizing firsts. And number two, what would happen if we began to take the word of God and apply it to our life, all of it? What if it became the foundation on which we built our life, on every decision that we make, on every plan that we plan? What if it became the foundation what might God do? What might he change in your life? Because his word is foundational. Not just homeowner improvements, foundational. You gotta apply the word, all of it. Number three, when we prioritize this time with Jesus, when we begin to get to know who he is, when we begin to take the word and apply it to our life and we find ourselves, we've obtained access into this place of grace in which we can stand, this undeserved favor of God that is a free gift from Jesus to us because of faith. When we find ourselves in this position and we get to experience the hope that is found in Jesus and we experience the fullness that is found in Jesus and we experience the peace that is found in Jesus, this place of grace. Why wouldn't we share that with others? If we have access to something so transformational, to something so amazing, why would we keep it to ourselves? Why would we not share it? Why do we have church friends and other friends? Why would we keep the good news to ourselves that there's hope 
available in Jesus, that there is peace available, that there is joy, that there is strength, that God has good plans. Why would we not share it with the people around us? Why would we come to church by ourselves and just check the church box? Why would we not be doing everything we could to get the word out there that we have obtained access into this place of grace in which we can stand? Why would we not share it? So I want to challenge you, number one, prioritize your firsts. Number two, apply the word, all of it. Number three, share the good news. Share the good news. Bring people with you to church. Don't come alone. If you don't know what to say, it's okay. I mean, you can start with sharing your story. This is who I was before Christ. This is who I am now. This is what I've experienced. But if you don't know what to say, it's okay. Bring them to church. We'll say it for you. And we'll do our best not to make it awkward or uncomfortable, but to present the hope that is available in Jesus because we've obtained access to this place of grace. And the world needs to know. The world needs to know. You know, I'd like to pray for us. But before I pray for all of us, I'd like to talk to those of you who are here. And maybe you came in and you're wrestling with your faith. Maybe, you, maybe you've had an experience with church that has just left you feeling the wrong way. Maybe you've had experience with Christians who've just kind of turned you off to the good news. Listen, I don't know what your experience has been. But we serve a God in heaven who loves you so much. He gave his only son to pay the price, the penalty of our sin for you and for me. To say, you know what? The Bible tells us that sin separates us from God. But God wants relationship with us. Not religion. Not a checkbox of going to church. God wants a relationship with you. Where you can experience and encounter the peace that is found in Him. The joy that is found in Him. The strength that is found in Him. God wants that for you. And because He wants that for you, He sent His Son Jesus to pay the price for our sin. And that is why the scripture says we've been justified by faith, just as if we've never sinned. Because when we choose to believe in Jesus as the Son of God, we have the opportunity to step into and have access to this place of grace that God created for you and for me to experience. And I don't want anybody in this room to miss that. So I just want to pray a prayer right now, and I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to get up or pray out loud. I want this to be personal between you and God, but if you're here and you've been wrestling with your faith, maybe you're here and you just didn't even know what you believe, but you're like, okay, this is making sense. I'd like to pray a prayer with you. And I'm going to ask everyone in this room just to bow your head and close your eyes, nobody looking around. If you're here and that's you, would you just pray this prayer with me in the quietness and stillness of your own heart? Say, dear God, I know that I've sinned and I ask you to forgive me. I'm tired of trying to do this on my own and today I'm making a decision to follow you and your plans for my life. And all around the room, if that's you and this is the prayer that you're praying, let these words be your own. Say, Jesus, I give you my life in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, I thank you that you're good. God, I thank you for your faithfulness. God, I thank you that even in the midst of the unknown, even in the storms, God, you are good. 
So God, today I ask that you would help every single one of us as we walk out the doors of church today. God, help us to prioritize you first, to set an appointment with you, and to begin to get to know who you are. God, help us to apply the word, to learn what it means for us, all of it. And God, give us the boldness to share the good news of the hope that is found in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.